Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars. Well, it's a weekly show about sports cars, Graham Goodwin, I think. And we we sometimes just blather on ourselves. And yeah. then sometimes, hopefully more often than not, uh, we use cues sent in by listeners who ask us to show them our A's. No, speak our A's. We do Q&A based on... Yes. Uh, listener input. When we say qua, fan, I like I like qua qua is what I think. Yes, and when I say Quanda. fans, I don't mean fans of us. <laughs> Duh. I mean fans of sports car racing. So, my dearest friend, who I will get to see you in will. three days in Daytona. Yes. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon. One of the earliest yes. episodes of Twist we've ever recorded. We wanted to get stuck in talking about the upcoming roar before the twenty four taking place this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. And then the following weekend, hey, we get to take everything everybody learns during the roar and turn that into 24 hours, at least in the GTP class, of very likely stoppages, smoky moments, and repairs in the garage where we're still putting all of our money on the uh, Tower Motorsports uh, LMP2 uh, for the overall win. But nonetheless, Go we're gonna, yeah, we're going to get stuck in here on our hey we're going to daytona to play imsa weathertech sports car championship season opener with these brand new gtp cars and lots of new stuff going on in all the other classes so let's say a big thank you as always to cooper tires the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com our faithful show partners for five plus years on everything i've done with the podcast and hey we're what two weeks now away from the actual fifth anniversary of the start oh, of the yeah. show Graham amazing and it's another anniversary this week uh, that, that, that same week by the way but uh, you and I had a quick chat about this there's a piece I'm putting together for DSC it'll be out in race week that talks about just the depth of achievement in amongst that grid which is quite an astonishing list but one really interesting little fact that came out of it, it it's not going to be that welcome to one particular person on that grid but it's a significant anniversary because Marshall Pruitt the 2023 Rolex 24 hours at Daytona will be the 25th anniversary of the last time that Bill Oblum won it just further confirmation he's hot garbage right like and, and just ignorant listens to no one we have been telling him to stop yeah. since the last century and he won't yeah. listen. Oh, girl, you won 25 years ago. Great. What else have you done? <laughs> kidding well, aside, he's weird, one of the, the greatest ever to do it. But yeah. I mean, uh, just imagine this for MP. Bill, the back-to-back wins, by the way, in 97 and 98 in the GT classes. He must have thought, I'm on for a, a, a huge career here at the Rolex 24. There's going to be literally dozens of watches in that draw. Well, there were two. Two more than uh, than Alan McNish, by the way, but uh, the two. But since 1998, he's it's done all sorts of things at the Rolex 24, but he's not taken the win. So go, Bill. I think you just mentioned a Keebler elf, so that's a good thing. I think you also use the word fact et, which yeah, it's I've a small heard, fact. That's from a cu- that's a cute one. I've never heard that. I, I'm just only familiar with factoids. So if we've got fact ets and factoids, I think we at least have two genders identified for facts so that's wonderful all right uh graham goodwin where should we launch this show in terms of the cues and 
probably the wholly insufficient A's. We're well, for the most part, in, in sharp contrast to last week when you were hurling in the crazed Gibbon style that is famous for the uh, the Wicked Sportscast questions at me about the WEC's entry list, for the most part, those roles are going to be reversed. We're going to start with a first-time submitter for sports cars anyway, says Jamie Carr at IndyCarFan95. So either he was born in 1995 or he's 95 years old, and that makes him almost... Uh, no, I'm not going to say anything more about Bill Oberlin. Uh, as an hmm. avid IndyCar fan and casual IMSA fan, what should he pay attention to at the Raw? Start thinking about for the 24. What say you, Marshall Pruitt? Hmm. Certainly plenty of IndyCar talent, isn't there? Yeah. I'll be re- super honest, Jamie. Nothing. Right? There, there's <laughs> no... And I'm being honest. I'm not being funny. There's nothing of any real importance that goes on during the Roar. There are many things that happen, some of them very formal and technical and procedural and whatnot. We have the ongoing efforts by IMSA to get the balance of performance tables perfected among its classes that use balance of performance. The two lower prototype classes, not really involved in that, but everything else, GTP and all the GTD Pro and standard GTD cars, They use BOP. So there will be tons of that work going on by the series. The series will be monitoring the heck out of them. You won't, nor will I or anyone else other than the technical folks, be able to see all the ways they're checking and making sure that they're giving it a proper go, not trying to sandbag and artificially create a, a false perception that their cars are too slow and need some sort of balance of performance break for the race which would then give them an advantage so there's that cat and mouse going on we externally don't really get to see major evidence of that really what this is it's just a celebration of sports car racing in north america getting back on track for a new year so yes all of the teams how many entries do we have graham 61 61 uh all 61 entries be cycling their drivers through the cars for the teams that are, are veterans, ones where they have long-standing pros within them. Those pros might not get a ton of seat time. They'll probably provision more of that for the new drivers or the younger drivers. Those could be older drivers, but those who have less experience in the cars want to get everybody in and set through the night practice, make sure that everybody is good there and signed off and all of that. So this is a three-day test with qualifying thrown in at the end and not the qualifying race we've seen uh, recently, but actual return to proper qualifying format separated by the classes. So this is called the roar. What it is in reality is much different than a spring training type deal, a combine with one actual race related function at the very end thrown in. And that is covering off qualifying at the end of the roar. So we can at least say, or they can say and promote that, Hey, the field is set. The grid is set for this upcoming race, big race. First one of the year, get into some practice sessions and whatnot. The following Uh, in the coming days leading right up to the race itself. But again, I'll be super honest, Jamie, there's, this is just everybody 
coming together for the first couple of days of the new school year. Sirius is trying to learn a bunch of stuff. Everyone else is trying to get up to speed, go through the motions. Last little thing here. I know GTP is a lot of what we have spoken about, Graham. We'll continue to since it's the big new thing. But while the GTP teams and manufacturers have been testing to an insane amount, leave the Porsche team with their most recent, the uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport team, Graham, with their most recent test about, I think, two weeks ago in, it might have been the beginning of last week, I should say, in Sebring. I think they're up to 22, 23 plus thousand miles of testing so far with the 963. So mention this, Jamie, because yes, for IMSA's top class, the new hybrids, None of them feel ready. All of them feel like their cars are going to grind to a halt uh, on the parade laps, but there's zero (laughs) confidence contained within the GTP class with these new cars, which is actually, again, Graham, stepping back as those who are reporting on the race, offering opinions, or just enjoying it. That's actually kind of fun, right? Mm -hmm. I have full sympathy for all those who are going to have bad days, but uh, it's a 24-hour sprint race. Right, That's been the normal thing we've been able to say in the Daytona prototype era, more recently in the DPI era. They just go like hell from the start all the way to the end, and many of them survive without any real issue. We're probably going to have that in most of the other classes. I don't expect that, nor does anybody for GTP. So just as a race to remember, this could be a memorable one, Jamie. If we've got a big lead by pick your favorite of the four GTP brands or a team and their thing breaks. And another one's elevated to the lead and Mm -hmm. their thing breaks. We're going to be shocked if this is just kind of a A to B procedural, the green flag wave, the checkered flag wave, no drama in GTP. I think we all expect this is going to be a bit of a poop show. So that's just what we're getting ready for. But I mentioned all the GTP stuff just to close on this, Jamie, because... While those hybrid prototypes have been doing a ton of testing, not all the other teams in the other classes have been on track a bunch since the season ended. So that is probably what we're looking for at the roar the most. There are a lot of teams that might have done a little testing here or there, but they're a bit out of practice. So for them, jumping over the wall, doing practice pit stops, doing all the procedures that they're just getting into the groove of, that's like why I said this is a spring training or a combine more than uh, some sort of uh, really big official uh, orchestration we're going to have. Uh, I'll add, by the way, to Jamie, as an IndyCar fan, you might want to note that uh, almost half of the 2023 yeah. IndyCar grid is featured uh, in this race, 11 so far named IndyCar drivers of 2023 and plenty of champions as well and plenty of race winners within that. Uh, so if you are mainly an IndyCar fan, you're going to see plenty of faces that you'll uh, you'll recognize from your preferred avenue of motorsports. And let's hope we can uh, track you back to the weekend sports cars in the future on the back of a fantastic Daytona to come. A couple of questions here. The first one from Credible Hulk and the se- second from Zach Dean, both talking about the sounds of the GTP cars. Uh, Credible Hulk, and I'm sure he is credibly the Hulk, um, do we know as yet what the weird downshifting buzzy noise the Acura makes is for? First thing he thinks of was anti-lag, but does anti-lag usually sound like a helicopter full of Chewbacca's? And 
Uh, Zach says, can you talk about the differences in the tones coming from the GTP cars? He can't pick a favourite, he says. The Cadillac has got an angry, deep tone. The Porsche more screaming. It's so fun. What do you think? Can't wait for the season to start. I agree. Yeah, so we do have pretty decent anti-lag and then traction control that we've heard on the Acuras. I think I might have mentioned last episode, previous episodes, that yes, uh, the, the... Wayne Taylor Racing Acura in particular sounded a heck of a lot like um, Chewbacca uh, stuttering uh, coming out of some of the slower corners. And I'm actually going to do a little video piece with HPD president, Honda Performance Development president, David Salters, on that very topic. It's roughly titled, David, why does your prototype sound like Chewbacca? Uh, so we I already spoke to him about it. It's a working title. Yes, yes. Uh, so we're going to do that, but... The interesting aspect here is that intervention, Graham. We mm-hmm. we hear it. It's loud, staccato. It, it's unmistakable. And we don't really hear that with the other three models, BMW, Cadillac, or Porsche. So does that mean Acura is the only one doing it? No, of course not. Granted, Cadillac is naturally aspirated, so if it did have anti-lag built into it, that would be a phenomenal system for me to learn about. But more on the traction control side, you don't hear much of anything tickling from the Cadillac on the way out of the slow corners, at least for at the test we were at in December. Same with the BMW, same with the Porsche. So of the three turbos, Acura, BMW, and Porsche, three very different power plants, Interesting that Acura is the one that is doing it in a fairly loud, quote, public manner, while the others are doing it in a much quieter, less demonstrative way. Do I know all the ways they're doing it? I don't. So more more things for me to learn about. But yes, definitely on the Acura side, you know for sure when the anti-lag is firing off and when... Uh, the traction control, the TC is being tickled on the way out. So um, sounds, the Caddy. Acura is Caddy. the highest revving Caddy. of the four, 9,500 RPM rev limit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save this for a v- little GTP 101 video, Graham, talking mm-hmm. about uh, sounds, a little bit of a... a sound exploration um and also talk about rev limits in that as well but there's one key piece of information that i know uh, i was told another journalist has been peddling that is 100 percent false so we'll, we'll go ahead and correct that in the video here shortly when we get to daytona but a little bit of a sound comparo is one thing that i wanted to do video wise coming out of that december test realize that i just didn't have enough to make me super happy even the stuff that I got of the cars leaving the, the first hairpin, uh, the international hairpin at Daytona, there was an ambulance parked maybe 10 feet to my left. And I was trying to shield the microphone uh, as the cars were powering away and blasting their exhausts straight back at uh, my camera and mic. Unfortunately, the farther they got away, the more the, the camera started to pick up its audio gain. And so we went from having clean, blaring engine sound right at us, which was amazing, to about halfway through the cliff of 
of a damn diesel yeah. ambulance uh, overtaking the audio. So I'm going to try and fix that. And uh, right away, hopefully Friday, get a uh, sound comparo video up. Of the four, the Acura with the highest revs, I thought Graham would be more of a screamer because 9,500 RPMs yeah. is not low. I was I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't it, it, screamier. It's not, it's not, is it? It's, it's, it's got a nice tone to it, but no. it's not as, not what I would describe as a screamer. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking that would be a little more, wow. I don't know if it stood out as much as I hope, but again, give it another, another whirl here when we get there in a couple of days. The BMW louder for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if it, if it really gives a great accounting of what it is. Now, twin turbo V8s can do that they can be a little bit hushed smaller pistons smaller you've got more to pack into a smaller space so instead of these big thundering pistons and whatnot firing through can can be a little bit muted that's what i found with the bmw the porsche definitely a little can screamier but not crazy i liked the porsche for sure it it's big it's yeah, basic. Four point six liters. No, yes. no, no. I'm talking the Cadillac. It's big. Oh, it's that one. Basic, but it revs like mad, Graham. Twelve hundred mm-hmm. RPMs higher than the five and a half liter naturally aspirated V8. It replaces that was wow. in the Cadillac DPI V dash or dot R, whatever the the, the nomenclature is. Um, point wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Point dash plus. <laughs> Backward slash R. Um, coming out of Petit Le Mans, yeah. Uh, for what we had as the final BOP for the Caddy DPI car at Petit, the new GTP car actually revs 1,200 RPMs higher. And boy, that makes a statement. So it is still thundering and bassy and all those things, but it does have that higher pitch uh, with that higher rev limit. So as a person who has loved turbos since I first was introduced to them in the late seventies, Graham, I thought I was going to say one of the three turbo motors were going to be my favorite, but guess, guess what, buddy? It's that big old American V8. So yeah. yeah. Sound comparison video to follow though. It's the difference between, uh, and I say this from a dog walker's point of view, a group of three barking spaniels, and a howling husky, and it is indeed uh, the caddy for me. That uh, is the the quality sound of the of the four uh, at this stage. Gonna, we're going to move effortlessly on to a group of questions. Matthew Lyson, Stephen Gates, Ron Dillon, uh, Corey at GTP Enjoyer. Someone's got uh, r- rapidly onto that even before they've seen the the cars running. And uh, Lazos, all of which have got questions around our expectations, our opinions of reliability. Matthew says it's been a while since he asked a question. Welcome back, Matthew. Who, in your opinion, have the best reliability going into the Rolex 24? Stephen looks like being a survivor of the fittest game, he says, given the issues they've been having with the hybrid system in testing. uh, Again, is there a chance of seeing a P2? Um, He likes the fact that unreliability could have an effect on the race. Rowan says, mentioned it would take a long time for the GTP team to do repairs on the hybrid system. Has there been a clarification on what they can and can't replace during the race. 
Corey says, how do you think reliability will be for the Rolex 24 and how can teams improve during the Raw? And Geronimo says, for the shiny new LMDH cars, what would you say is the biggest reliability threat? I think all five looking forward to the cars making their racing debuts. That's a lot of questions. Isn't it? I don't know if I, I, don't know if I remember them all. Um, which one should I start with, brother? Um, I think let's let's go for the general theme of what do we what did we see about reliability in the earlier testing? What do we expect to see uh, in terms of reliability for the the race weekend to come? You know, why don't I actually cover off one of the other questions first because it might then govern uh, the rest okay. of what we'll talk about here. What can be changed during the Good race? Point. Confirmed this this morning with IMSA. Cannot change the tub. Yeah. Cannot change the internal combustion engine. Okay. That's it. But they can swap out the MGU. Don't oh, blow wow. up the internal combustion engine is is pretty much the thing. Oh, don't, wow. Don't crash hard enough to crack the tub uh, or don't make your tub so poorly that it just kind of flips open like the top of a Chinese food container. Okay. Uh, while you're on track. So, yeah, tub, ice. That's it. Leave those ice. in a happy place. IMSA will be happy with you. Um, and remember, uh, if you are attending the Rolex 24 hours, you're not allowed to bring in a tub of ice. Not a tub, but no. uh, a bucket. Now, a bucket, on the other <laughs> hand. Oh, boy, you're going to be in good shape. Um, I'll probably come back to what we've discussed Okay. Uh, once, twice, or three times since Daytona, and that was what was the thing we saw GTP teams working on the most and furiously trying to correct. That would be motor generator unit issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's not full failure, was it? It was no. compatibility of components. It was getting the components to speak to each other. And the principal thing that was coming my way, MP was the problems were being caused when they were getting the updates. The updates weren't talking to the, the rest of the car. Yeah, that was one. Another one was just a high mileage MGU. But yep. um, if we're looking at the overall ESS, and that is what I'm told they refer to the system as and want us to refer to it as, not the energy recovery system, not ERS, but ESS, energy storage system graham Um, that from the also don't call it williams advanced engineering anymore they done changed their name in november to wae technologies did they apparently i'll be sure not to call them williams anymore then yeah i know this because i got a note saying hey (laughs) knock it off to which i said hey i didn't know i didn't know i should knock it off but now that i do thanks um That WAE Technologies uh, overall battery package, Graham, with the inverter and the DC-DC converter and the cooling system and all the other cool stuff. Yep. It's not a new concept, not a new anything. All these components there have seen a lot of of miles, a lot of use. Um, Could there be a battery slash inverter slash DC-DC converter issue during the race? Sure. Um... I am feeling more confident about that part of the ESS package um, just because of its lots and lots and lots of time and 
uh, being used and such. I don't lack faith or belief in Bosch's motor generator unit at all. Just that's the most beaten up, violent, hot, you name it. That's the toughest environment of the two primary components that form the, the hybrid, the other half of the propulsion system along with the ICE that MGU is sitting back there. Yeah. Pretty beaten up and, and toasty shaken, you name it type environment. So if there's an issue, it feels like the environment where that lives would be the greatest contributor or conspirator against reliability. Um, either way, uh, those are the two main areas that, that come out. If we're talking something in the, electrification reliability concerns <clears throat> on the ICE part that Acura 2.4 liter twin turbo V6 IndyCar motor it's what it is uh ruggedized for endurance sports car racing as we saw with Mazda with their little 2 liter 4 cylinder turbo DPI and before that and other things 24 hours was a hard nut to crack. Mm. Uh, it took them a while and a lot of, they had to go through a lot of struggles before they figured out what worked and what didn't work to get those to the finish line. Not saying Acura will have the same problem, just saying small, high power turbocharged motors plus 24 hours. Not always, again, a super friendly thing. Granted, you take the former Porsche 919 hybrid program, right? Well, it's a, I'm exaggerating, but a billion dollar program. Of course, those things were just, you know, of course they were going to be reliable because Porsche spent the money to make them. So if we think back, Graham, 30 years, this is the 30 year anniversary. I'll be doing a feature of some sort about it here on the all American racers eagle mark three gtp overall victory at the 24 hours of daytona and their 2.1 liter four-cylinder toyota based turbo they didn't even show up with that car on its i think debut Uh, and that was actually not uncommon brother in, Mm -hmm. in the gtp era if someone had a new gtp car maybe one that had a smaller turbo compared to a former larger naturally aspirated motor something like that they wouldn't even bother showing up because they knew they had no chance in hell of getting to the finish line so 30 years ago was a celebration of the all-american racers team getting that glorious eagle mark 3 gtp car to the finish line and winning overall but it was a monumental achievement so i just share these things because you want to talk about, hey, who do you think has the best chance of, of not only getting to the end with the fewest amount of problems, but maybe winning the thing? Bullseye directly on the Cadillacs. I told that, said that to you when we were standing there on day one in the paddock last month. You look at the Cadillac, you look at the other three cars, and by comparison, the Cadillac is pretty simple. I'm not saying it lacks imagination. It doesn't have great ideas throughout it just saying it lacks it lacks complication that's maybe the better way of putting it it is not fewer things to go wrong it's it's not a maze of piping and hoses and wiring and cables and this and that and uh, 
we know that one of the manufacturers, well, two two brands were building cars in the garages there uh, while mm-hmm. trying to take part of that test. But one of them in particular looked at the car and was like, oh my goodness, if you had to do a major component change to the back of the car, I mean, you may as well go home. I don't know if you'd get the thing disassembled before the end of the race. It is such a maze. Then you look over to the Cadillac and go, oh, five and a half liter naturally aspirated V8 uh ess system fairly truly super conventional rear suspension front suspensions more modern but also very conventional um if i'm putting my money on a gtp car for that overall win i would start with cadillac simply due to the comparative lack of complication uh you've got porsche with their RS Spider based motor, which is awesome. That thing's super proven. Juan Lamont done all kinds of great things. Not with a couple of turbos stuck on that thing. Nope. And in that really cool new Hot V scenario. And it's got a bunch of cool wowza stuff here and there. And the BMW's got all kinds of wowza stuff. Same with the Acura. So if we were starting the season at mid Ohio, I'd probably put my money on the Acura or the Porsche, but probably the Acura since we're doing it at the longest, most punishing race of the season, Graham, you got to go with the one that to your eyes and mine looked like it had the fewest things that might act up. And I'll just close with a big caveat, famous last words. So (laughs) I might've just jinxed everything. Well, you know, as we say, always in endurance racing, and the longer the race, the more it becomes the fact that literally anything can happen. It's why we love it so very much. I think you've pretty adequately covered off everything in those five uh, with that one. Let's uh, grab uh, another couple. Uh, Let's have a look. Adam Bowman at Racing Farmer. Uh, He says, do you see IMSA ever relenting on allowing small OEMs like Leckenhaus into the WeatherTech series? And why have they drawn such a hard line on that? Hmm. I think there would have to be a massive change in leadership at IMSA for that to become possible. As you and I have seen, as you you and Mm -hmm. I have opined, discussed with uh, our man Jim Glickenhaus many, many times, uh, IMSA makes it clear that they really and truly want, call it major-ish, auto manufacturers forming the basis of their top prototype class for sure. A bit of a distillation of that down into GT3 slash GTD-based stuff as well, Graham. I know IMSA has held a communications line in saying looking for manufacturers that are bigger and or are ready and willing to make whatever sizable marketing and whatever investment that they ask for. I wouldn't pretend to have the the best memory or the latest update on where Jim Glickenhaus is at on the paying IMSA that million-ish dollars per year for its brand or for its cars to be eligible to compete, whether it's as factory or customer cars. I don't know where that's at. But I do know there has been a pretty hardcore line of, eh, 
you make very few vehicles. We're mm-hmm. not that interested. I think that's the first line. Yeah. I think the other line, and this is maybe, <laughs> this is the one that goes unsaid. Jim doesn't show up to such conversations, hat in hand, bowing and scraping. Uh, Jim Has definitely wraps some tape around his knuckles <laughs> and uh, uh, uses his mouth as the punching device. And I, I love that aspect of Jim, where I would say there might be a, a more recent parallel. Michael Andretti trying to get his team into Formula One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suggested to my Racer Magazine, Racer.com colleague Chris Medland, said, you know, I would love to read a column from you that basically says, Michael, shut up. <laughs> right? You, have a, you now have a great business case for being an F1. You've got Cadillacs, last General Motors behind you. You've got all, you know, you've got the money for sure. You've got huge investors behind you, but shut up. Because all the talking, all the pushing back, all the calling out the double standards and whatever type negative stuff being spoken by their team owners, like they're all everything you're saying is true and accurate. But shut up, because you need those are the folks you need to like you and say yes, and you're just giving them reasons to say they've already said no. Now they're saying finding more creative words of hell no. Jim, in that similar vein, person who's wealthy, successful in life, his own person, not looking to anyone to to validate him or otherwise, Jim's not the type to just shut up and play along and do whatever IMSA says in order to fall into their good graces and get onto the grid. And so on top of IMSA's official line about manufacturer size, blah, blah, blah. I think there's also been a couple years of discord between IMSA's ownership slash leadership and Jim. And that would probably be something that if Jim ever felt the need to send flowers and cupcakes and whatever to uh, one Daytona Boulevard and Daytona beach that might, Oh, some of the ice. Yeah. It does strike me as being a bit of a clash of personalities here uh, involved as well. I don't see it being sorted anytime soon. And it comes down to, do they need each other? I mean, Jim, I'm sure would love to race his cars at the big endurance races, but do IMSA need Glickenhaus? And I think the answer is, well, subject to what we're going to see over the next couple of weekends, MP, let's, let's wait and see whether or not uh, that might be a factor that could prove uh, interesting, but I can see a lot of reasons why they wouldn't is the straight answer right now. Let's move on. And let's go to, where have I lost that question? Uh, Stop losing questions, Goodwin. I meant to talk to you about that. It is. John Richter says, what's the biggest storyline in the, in the championship outside of GTP? Good question. We've got some new GT uh, decals. Yeah, I thought the question was supposed to get easier farther into the show, (laughs) not harder, whatever. Uh, The thing that stood out to me, I don't know if it is actually the biggest storyline, but at least for my simple brain, just happy to see GTD Pro Mm -hmm. maintaining its health and strength 
might be failing on the exact number to launch the was it uh, well, we've just had one more. We've had one more, haven't we, with the uh, the Turner car. The 95 has been reclassified for the yeah. Enduros into that. There is a question about the second Aston Martin. We'll come to that separately. But you're right, healthy number for Daytona. Um, that is good news for anybody that wants to see all-pro GT racing, which is, of course, something that you're going to have an insert we certainly don't have moving forward in the FI World Endurance Championship. Uh, so if you're a lover of cars packed full, chocked full of pro talent, then GTD Pro is where it's supposed to be, and it is certainly healthy and varied. That's the other great thing about this GT3-based formula, isn't it, that you'd get not only a depth in terms of the talent, but a depth in terms of variety. It's possible, and in this case, it's been delivered. I think I'd also throw in, and I know that this is this does involve a little bit of GTP, but... I love the fact that we, with the nine GTP cars on the entry list and full expectation that when we return a year from now, that number should be, what, 11, 12, whatever it is, certainly double digits. I love the fact that we are tilting professional endurance racing here in the States, Graham, back towards a more balanced entry. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to LMP2, uh, and I hope LMP2 stays with us for many, many years to come. I hope when we return next year for Daytona, we will have four classes instead of five. And I don't dislike the LMP3 cars, but they are, despite what anyone else would tell you, filler. With, you know, so few DPI cars running full-time last season, and the ramping down of manufacturer participation in DPI gradually over the years got to a place where that top class, not super subscribed, LMP2 also fluctuated a little bit in terms of entries, not always super healthy. LMP3 was a great boost to that. Now we have that balance being restored. Leading class, darn near double digit to kick off this new formula, should definitely be double next year. I don't know if we're going to need LMP3 anymore. Throw in what we think will continue to be a strong P2 class. Take all of the strong GTD and GTD Pro entries. All of a sudden, IMSA starts looking to me like it is truly healthy. The healthiest it's been since 1992. So Mm -hmm. uh, we might not have all of that today. Might not have all of that at the start of 2023 but I think we can all see that it's coming. And that's maybe the biggest storyline I would say uh, for us to appreciate. Hey, it's been a bit of a restoration project here for a little while to get things back and healthy and change some things around, bring some things in if we're lacking and whatever. But I think as we've seen happen before, we start to dial back the, the field filling and have just real proper what will end up being GTP, P2, GTD Pro, and GTD as the four strong and, and, and best classes we could ask for. Worth, back, by the way, adding just a little bit of detail on the potential growth in GTP. We know uh, already Lamborghini, due to be doing the Michelin Endurance Cup races in 24 with, an, uh, with an, well, so that's another manufacturer coming with a single car uh, with the Iron Lynx squad, 
Uh, there's been a lot said around the link between Wayne Taylor Racing and Andretti about the potential to double up with Acura. And the other little bit of clarification, and by the way, another piece of information that's been misreported elsewhere, um, is Porsche reconfirming that they will, that they intend at this point to release another four customer 963s for 2024. And the way they did it, into coming into this year is two in WEC and two in IMSA. You would expect it'll be the same again there. So right there, without anything else uh, coming forward, without anybody deciding they'd like to try to uh, relieve Marinello of uh, an unfeasible amount of dollar uh, to bring a 499P to uh, the IMSA Weather Tech Sports Car Championship, that right there is the potential for four more cars um, without having to really break a sweat. So the potential for growth is very good indeed uh, in the GTP class. And, you know, it really does feel, MP, as if we're at the start of something very, very special. Load of questions, by the way. It's the other um, dominating question area, and I know we're running out of time at the no, end. No, no, all good. Okay, go for this. Okay, uh, that's, BOP, that's BOP. Can and I get- sandbagging in particular. Lance Snyder asks about sandbagging. Uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, Vincent, 1701, do manufacturers have a legal team ready to fight a decision on BOP? Uh, let's have a quick look. Where else? There's been more and more on this one. Looking further up here. Uh, oh, I've got a great question there about GTD Pro. We'll come back to that in a moment. We need more but, GT uh, to close the show. Uh, so I'm in total agreement there. Perfectly fine. So what do we think? I mean, in terms of, um, in terms of BOP, are IMSA ready? for the challenges that have come, uh, come here and with uh, the raw fulfilling that uh, a part, part of this process, are we expecting a massive amount of sandbagging? Brian Terpster, by the way, so be worried about beach erosion in Daytona until yeah. after the weekend when the sand is emptied and returned. Cheeky. But uh, what do we think? B.O.P.ness, I guess, is the, is yes. the name of the game. What B-O-P-ness. do we expect? B.O.P.ness. Yes. <laughs> This is going to be the subject of another, I, th- I hope. Uh, I have so many videos I got to do. <laughs> Brother, I'll, sh- I'll just sh- I'll share this with you, not with anybody else. The first tech tour video I did of the Acura, um, or the first tech tour video I did, comma, which happened to be the Acura Air XO6 yep. GTP car, realizing that I had to learn and figure out a lot of new things from an editing standpoint, I'm still... Uh, somewhat new to Adobe Premiere, I would guess from the moment I started uh, looking through the clips that I shot in Daytona and doing this and all the stuff, that thing probably took me 18 hours, which is an embarrassing Oof. number. Oof. It took way too long. But it's good. Eh. If you've not but, seen it, it's really good. Eh. I know you've seen it, obviously, but if, uh, if any of our listeners haven't seen it, it's it's really good. And the BMW 1 now released as well. Uh, we'll the BMW giving- took me... 12 maybe um Just, you were what you weren't as interested in the bmw actually i take that back it might have been more like 14 uh i just finished and i'm uploading 76 gigabytes <clears throat> for a eight seven to eight ish minute video on the cadillac um and it's all and in like the, the, that's the not complicated one <laughs> yes uh and then i just started the basic the very beginning uh, production side of the the Porsche uh, before we started this call, Graham, and I've got tons more to do and other things. But Excellent. one of the things that I need to do, uh, video wise, is talking about BOPness. Um, 
of the five classes, overstating the obvious, four uh, very well-known, well-run, IMSA knows everything about. Of those four, only two are true BOP classes, P2 being speckish, LMP3 being speckish. That's not a, those aren't really the focus of IMSA in terms of BOP. It's the GT3-based GTD cars, and now replacing DPI is GTP. So if we just look at everything other than GTP is already well-known, no real tricks or whistles or bells or whatever there, those things will get sorted out. Uh, guaranteed going back to our pal Jamie to open the show, our IndyCar fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I failed to mention probably the number one item, maybe the best answer to your question. What should you be looking for at the roar? The loudest, angriest team or manufacturers. That's always the fun. Oh my God, you're trying to kill us. Why not just drive the stake through our hearts? Why prolong the pain and misery by asking us to run more sessions? Um, you know, uh, I could get out and run faster than my car on the streets. It's that kind of, of stuff that gets to be a little bit fun, but we'll always have one or two uh, in whatever BOP class that are just claiming they're uh, the subject of hate crimes or something you like can, that. You can always, by the way, tell which teams that's going to be a problem for because they're the guys. As you turn up to the role, you get great access to the garages, it's the guys who've got the blokes at the back of the garage with violins. Yes. The ones. You know, we yep. should come up with an award. Best BOP whinging Daytona <laughs> edition. We really do. It, it needs to be, it needs to be some sort of like gift card uh, to Amazon or something, but you can only buy like Visine or something with it to uh, uh, deal with you know the what? tears you've been shedding. You know what? I've got the ideal sponsor for it. It's Kevin Buckler uh, because he, he makes wine, doesn't he? He does. So and he's, he's very familiar with whining. Oh yes. An epic elite international grade winger. Yes. As well. Winner <laughs> and winger and wine Um, man, I'm forgetting what the hell I was talking about. What were we talking about? Graham? We were talking about people whinging, oh, moaning, GTP. bitching about uh, so BOP. Here's the fun thing about GTP and the B of the P. It's a little bit different than what we've been accustomed to, what the groove we've been in with DPI and the predecessor before that and the, the, quote, prototype class where we had the mix of um, Daytona prototypes that were up-rated and P2-ish type things, uh, whatever. They have a cap that says, look, this is the maximum amount of horsepower you can make at any time. All of you, you've got different engines. Great. Different drivers. Great. Same tires and same ESS unit or system in general. Where the, the places to balance or divine real capabilities are found, Graham, that's going to be the challenge to IMSA. Oh, yeah. Why is there something someone's hiding? Is there, Again, that's always possible. They're not necessarily using all of the same tools to speed up or speed down the cars. For example, for the turbocharged, the three turbocharged GTP cars, uh, what, what does the BOP table say for turbo boost? Nothing. That's a big change. Hey, Mm -mm. use whatever you want, right? Hey, we don't care. 
670 horsepower, 500 kilowatts. That's all you get. The MGU is going to give you no more than, and this is Daytona specific, 40 horsepower at any time. It's all you're going to get, right? If you say, give me all that power we got in the battery, <clears throat> you're only going to get a peak amount of 40 horsepower from yep. uh, from the MGU. But it's not a boost nope. in terms of, hey, I'm at the end of the straight and I want to overtake somebody and I'm going to just jab my thumb into the overtake button and I'm going to get that extra 40 horsepower. No, it's this constant sliding scale and balancing act between the internal combustion engine and the battery slash MGU, the ESS, where this electrification is really something folks should be thinking of as a power adder, a, a fill-in, and also a range extender in terms of uh, fuel. It is not a big bombastic explosion out of the corners, although it will probably be used more than any other areogram coming out of the corners, lower mm -hmm. RPM, motor, whether it's natural aspirated or turbo, still trying to spin up and make it speed. Well, guess what? It's not a huge amount of electronic horsepower, but there is up to 40 horsepower available to fill in, give you a little more scoot off the corners while the internal combustion engine is, is getting revved up and going. But this is, this is a pretty significant thing for IMSA to look at. So they're all starting off at the, the, the same minimum weight, they're all st they're starting off in many areas in the same exact ways, but in terms of how will IMSA actually decide after the roar to say, "Hey, uh, you four brands, whatever number of you, you need a little bit of help, so we're going to speed you up." And hey, you're going a little too fast, we're going to speed you down. The methods that will be chosen to do that will certainly need to be covered in depth by you and I in words and video in podcast, whatever, because we're not just talking about the same old tools of we're going to chuck some weight at your car. We're going to take some air restrictor air volume through. You're going to get less boost, um, fewer revs. The formula is a little bit different. Arrow is another area where, you know, these cars are, have far fewer tuning options, Graham, than DPI far fewer little bits and flicks and things and bobs and whatever. So just saying, this is going to be a, a educational process for you and I and uh, everyone else trying to figure out. Uh, it's not so much a case of what does IMSA have available uh, to use to manage BOP for GTP, but what does it choose to do to try and balance mm -hmm. these cars yeah. since there was no horsepower cap for the arx05 acura dpi or cadillac dpi vr right of course they would try and balance the horsepower and torque and all that right they would try to balance that through bop they all hit the same number so when yeah. you take that away you go okay if that's not a thing then you got to look at well how do they achieve how do they get to that 670 peak horsepower. 
who's doing a better job than others. Last little caveat, more than ever in IMSA, whether it's old original IMSA or modern day IMSA, more than ever, driver aptitude at fuel saving slash being able to make speed without leaning into the throttle as hard as the next driver is going to have a bigger effect on stint length than ever. This is something where fairly common, Graham, if we think back to last year's Rolex 24, you'd have a bunch of drivers who were all relatively equally matched in their fuel saving capabilities. There might've been someone who was a little bit better than the others, but it wasn't a huge, Oh, when so-and-so's in the car, they go 12 more laps. I'm not saying a star is going to get 12 more laps, but we could see a greater variance in stint length than ever. And again, we might only be talking by one or two, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be more than two laps, but with the drivers who are super accustomed to making their speed without having to just burn that fossil fuel, or in this case, largely bio... Uh, biofuel, renewable fuel, and this new fuel that's in GTP, Graham. I do wonder, another theme for us to watch, and I'll close on this, another theme to watch. Hey, Brendan Hartley. Hey, name. Hey, Scott Dixon, for example. Uh, whether it's a, a Hartley who has tons of WEC experience, tons of hypercar level LMP1 hybrid Toyota, you name it, using internal combustion engine, using the... Uh, uh, electrification side, knowing how to balance those things and make speed by, again, compromising a little bit here and there. Scott Dixon, the most renowned, at least in North America, is someone who make better fuel mileage than anybody. I think those who have acquired that great experience either in other forms of racing or directly in hybrid racing, again, coming back to someone like Brendan Hartley, I wonder, Graham, if we're going to see some of those specialists Ooh, whose skill in this area weren't super amplified in Rolex 24, Sebring, whatever stints. I wonder if those skilled type of drivers with that very unique capability might actually stand out a bit more. Stint length watch and yeah. divining which driver within a entry in GTP can go a little bit longer. That's going to be a fascinating thing to look at. And then in this 24-hour race, knowing that, again, we expect some reliability issues, but once we do get towards the closing stages, the last four, six, however many hours of the race, if we do have a hotly contested race, could teams adjust their lineup a little bit and say, hey, we might be in a place where if we can stretch just a little bit more, that might be the thing that wins us the race. Up, oh, we need to go to the one who has identified themselves as the clear star of speed and, and uh, extended mileage to get us there more than we've ever seen before. So, themes to watch, brother. There you go. Um, you got time for a couple more? I got six, five minutes now. Five minutes, right. Let's go really quick fire then. Three, if I can get away with them. Uh, we've got um, What a Good Notebook, Zach23, Anton Tice at ATRYT Official. Uh, basically asking about the pros and cons of the GTP teams uh, using three rather than four drivers, six out of the nine, apparently running with three drivers this year. 
think it's just preference. And I know <laughs> that's like a uh, no shit Pruitt type answer, but I mean, if you look at some who've customarily run for usually team owner preference, uh, it's not uncommon to see them continue to run for. Doesn't want to pay a fourth driver. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Some of the other ones well, are just cheap, but. There is, there is one other reason this year, which is for some of these teams, testing time has been quite limited. And as you quite rightly say, this, the driving style has changed pretty dramatically. And it could just be that one or two of them feel that they've just got that level of, uh, how can I put it, familiarity, that three better than the four with that. Would it be better putting a fourth driver in if that driver's had limited time in the car? Methinks the answer would probably be no. And I say this with, again, all hope. I'm crossing fingers and as many toes as I can cross. And Rocky is laying next to me. Hey, buddy, cross your paws with me here. We're all crossing appendages in the hopes that the GTP class is super reliable and and those nine entries spend a bare minimum, zero time in the garages. But I do wonder, Graham, in particular with the four driver entries, there might be some folks who are like, hey, okay, I got paid, I think. A little pissed, though, right? I mean, you split 24 hours among four of us. Yeah, sure, you know, one or two might get a little bit more time than the others. But for the most part, you know, I, I should be in the car for like, what, six hours maybe or so? And, you know, if your team is spending seven hours combined in the garage or whatever, just as you're about to climb in, the thing goes and uh and and leaks and limps its way and smokes its way into the garage just saying uh, this might not be a great year for the teams with that fourth driver somebody it feels like in those four driver entries are probably going to be a little bit grumpy because again if things go the way we think they will uh there you know i do wonder we should ask some of them and on media day Oh, that's only yeah. like three days from now, which is a little oh, scary. Yeah. Um, yes. Who knows if they'll answer, but I want to know, Hey, fourth driver, the team's <laughs> non full-time person. You're not even the one they're bringing in for the other endurance races, right? You're, you're the, just the Daytona dude or dude Scott Dixon, you. Yeah. Or non-binary driver, whatever you happen to be, you are the <laughs> non after Daytona driver. <laughs> if your car, <laughs> the bed a lot and you end up barely driving because they're always going to go to the two primary drivers they trust the most and then the one they said hey you're going to come with us for the other enduros um and scott dixon yeah, yeah scott dixon what do you do do you do you go to the team and say hey this thing you know i didn't get to do much in it maybe at all i'm still getting paid right like do you negotiate that in advance <laughs> Have you ever been stiffed by a team in the past where you didn't get to drive very much? Um, I'd love to know that because if I'm a team owner and I'm like, look, I hired you to do a job. I realized the thing broke and it wasn't your fault, but uh, how much money do you actually want? If I'm the driver, I'm saying all of it. If I'm the team owner, I may be trying to negotiate and be a cheap bastard. Uh, I should also <laughs> share a little quick tale here about one of the first couple of times I ran my own car, own team, own everything, team owner, you name it, um, in endurance racing. I had one driver who we had some issues about six hours into the race. It was a 25-hour race. Uh, 
And I could tell one of the drivers, I just got a feeling they wanted to check out a little bit, said they were going to go sleep in the motor coach. Their stint was coming up and just got a feeling that there was something off. And so we got the car back together. Not a lot of time, uh, or not, didn't take too much time and was ready for him to go out and went to grab him because uh, he was next up on the rotation. Ah, oh, no, I'm good, man. No, no, no. You know, once you put so-and-so in the car and, you know, I'll, I'll maybe get in a little later. I'm like, nah, it's your time, buddy. Come on. And had to go back and forth, Graham, back and like not fight, but you know, it was a bit, of a bit of a, it, yet again, that stupid Kiwi. Um, and it took a while, but finally got him begrudgingly to suit up and get in the car and go out and did his, I actually, and then I left him out there for a while. He was only meant to do, I think like hour and a half, two hours, but ended up keeping him out there for like three. And so I did that because I could just tell he had been in the car in practice. I think maybe qualifying. Mm -hmm. He'd been in the car during the event. This is first time in during the race, but we had some problems and we really did lose any chance of, of having a, a quality result. I could tell that he wanted to weasel out of pain ah. spotted that just by his behavior and demeanor. And I knew, you know, he's someone I'd known was a friend and was like, had to fight him to get him in the car. And then when I did the, I'm like, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, Hey, I think I'm going to pay. No, man, come on in. We'll, 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 we'll top you up and send you right back out and send him back out and did it again. And, you know, basically didn't let him get out of the car. Got it about three hours in. He was tired as hell when he got out. But I wanted to make sure, like, no, at minimum, you got enough time in the car for me to justify to have you pay when we're done. Chucked him in, I think, again a little bit later as well for another, like, long stint. So made sure he spent enough time in the car for there to be no argument that he yeah. was paying the full bill. Uh, in fairness, though, I mean, Bourdais coming along since those, uh, a lot since those years. We're talking about Patrick Bourdais, right? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, good old, good old legend of Lamar. Um, and I made one mistake with him, right? And this is a friend, not just some random drive, but a friend. Race is over. Going to settle up with everybody who needed to be settled up with. He sees me doing that in the motor coach with the other drivers, the other whomevers, and. He grabs his stuff, dashes out of the motor home. He happened to have parked, which he shouldn't have, his early 2000s, somewhat newish yellow Corvette C5 or whatever it was. So if you're driving a Corvette C5 and it's newish, you're doing okay in life, I would say. Yeah. And I knew that he, you know, he, he came from, from family wealth. Um, dove out of the motor home and made a beeline for his Corvette, which is only about 15 feet away. And I had to stop what I was doing and chase him out. And he's climbing in, reaching for the door to close the door as I reach and grab the top of it and pull it back. Hey, need to settle up. Oh, oh man. Oh, I forgot my checkbook. Like <laughs> you, I won't use the word, but you am an effer. You drove up here hours to get to the to Thunder Hill, 25 hours of Thunder Hill. You yep. drove up here with no intent of paying. And so it just fit the whole thing. Like the whole thing I spotted, Graham, of like, yeah, yep. this dude's trying. I mean, I'm, 
it's not like he spent a ton of time in practice or qualifying in the car, but you know, he what this was part of it. And the money he committed to paying was a big part of me being able to make this whole thing at least come out to zero instead of a big, big <laughs> debt. And, uh, guy welched. Oh, I left it at home, man. I will as soon as I get home, putting a check in the mail. Okay, man lived maybe half hour away from me if you put something in the mail in theory if you're only not far away should be there within a day or two two days three days whatever nothing call hey man haven't seen it yet oh well i mean it should be okay i'll check again on friday friday comes and goes hey man no money this is christmas time too we're screwed yep had no ability to pay rent for january 1st or anything graham um he then says exactly what I thought was going to be coming. Well, I mean, we had a lot, we, we had a lot of problems. And I'm like, here we go. Here we go. You know, I mean, you know, I didn't really want to get into the car. I'm like, I know. Yeah, you made that very apparent, which is why I didn't let you weasel out of that. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it was fun and whatever. But, you know, I mean... You know, we kind of lost the ability to, you know, win or whatever. And so, you know, I mean, I just really feel like, you know, you just asked for too much money. And so, um, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I should have to pay. Like, yeah. Um, pay me what you owe me. And I said that in very loud word, very loud voice. And with other words, um, or we're going to have real problems. And so the guy ended up paying like 30, I don't know what, paying a little bit of it, Graham, and then stiffing me for the rest. And no joke, five, seven years later, having just blacklisted this person from my world, ran into him at the airport here locally in the Bay Area. Told me, and I had no intention of talking to him. I mean, truly, I'm like, okay, is it legal to knock people out in public in an airport? (laughs) Probably not, but um, tells me that been thinking a lot about that and how it went down and it really displeased him and he had a new job and the job you know he was doing much better financially and said it was just really weighing on his heart that um he he screwed me and so like seven (laughs) 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 of those being screwed uh i think where my station in life right now is far less than scott tucker's chances um He ended up paying me, Graham. Wow. After, wow. Like I said, like seven-ish years later. So wow. It might have actually been eight. My wife just reminded me of it a couple of days ago, this amazing thing of like, yeah, this So guy, a good guy after all. I mean, you know, um, screwing somebody and then just doing what you're supposed to do afterwards, I don't know if that takes you out of that Purgatory. putting you into yes. a place of being an amazing person but yeah anyways uh that little story brought to you by my well, very well, well. um r- random brain but yes yeah, so we will have to ask the uh the the delatrazes of the world hey man <laughs> if you don't get to drive a whole bunch like what do you do do you need me uh look i'll go lean on on taylor or michael and no michael andretti he's the one with all the money right now you need me to uh, you need me go uh, lean on somebody here? I mean, you know, I'll only take like 90%. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did I just oh, tell I the show? Know. I don't know. 
Right, two, two really quick questions to finish. One from Daniel Summerskill. Thanks to Daniel for putting these questions together. Yes. Super rapidly, by the way. Well done, Daniel. And a happy new year to you, man. He asks what your opinion is on teams made up entirely of bronze and silver drivers entering GTD Pro to get around the minimum drive time requirements of GTD Unpro. And teams such as KCMG made up of pro drivers not then getting into the entry. What say you, Marshall Pruitt? We, have to, we need to keep this one fairly quick. Oh, yes. I had to go 20 minutes ago, I think. Um, <laughs> in my formative years in the sport, even when I owned my own team, uh, very familiar to the delights and plights of gentle person drivers. Mm-hmm. Um Appreciate them, love their their passion for the sport and all the things that we already know. They keep sports car racing alive um, just as much, if not more, than the manufacturers and the big showy classes. Some of them we love even more, the Ben Keatings of the world, for example, uh, who are just dynamic, phenomenal drivers, despite being a non-professional, and also dynamic people. Just love them. So much fun. I don't watch motor racing, though, to get excited about what amateurs do. Uh, I don't care for college sports, for example, of any kind. I watch zero college sports. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, badminton. Don't care about it. Don't watch it. And it's not as if they don't put on great matches, games, or whatever else. My preference when watching sports especially ones that take hours of investment i want to watch the best true pros going after it and so hey we're a gtd team that has gone in this bizarre not bizarre but this interesting driver rating route in order to exploit this and hey we actually wanted to bring some really super extra good ones but rating wise you wouldn't let us in because of that like i watch gtd and love it it's usually when the pros are in and beating the living crap out of each other but there are also some phenomenal stints we see at all times from the uh the non-pros but yeah if we're talking multi-class racing i'm watching that top pro prototype class the uh top pro gt class and not super bothered with the rest le mans each year with lmp2 we get a amazing migration of pros stuck in with ams but there's so many amazing pros across the board where you go chase this is these like the racing talent olympics here almost but again for the most part person who loves the sport is successful in business and runs one to two if not more seconds off of a relative off the pro in their same car it's not why i watch sports so maybe that's a a wider ranging answer but that's my general take we're going to finish this one with a really rapid answer to vincent 1701 second question we've had from vincent other than the cold he's going to be so happy he always complains yeah absolutely and orlando airport uh what and actually their brand new terminal which i used the first time for that gtp test which doesn't have higher cars uh there the southwest Um, one i go into it ain't new so I'm jealous. No, no, it's, I know that one. That's the place where British Airways used to go to and from. Uh, what's the worst part of the roar 
he says. I can tell you the best part of the Raw. The best part of the Raw is it is a bit of a gathering of the clans. We do have a little bit more time to think and do. Hold on. We're talking Florida in clan. Let's oh, not no, mix sorry, the, sorry. No, the sea. no, that's Come okay. That, we're going to really we're gonna leave the, <laughs> the white hoods at home. Um, we'll but, but, we'll but step we away from to, that one. The, the best one is that we get to be able to see what you planned for us on top of the desk, MP. Now, if you're not aware of what goes on at the Daytona 24 Hours, uh, traditionally, Marshall will bring um, some accoutrement. Uh, that will include, usually some kind of heritage reading material of a motorsport um, subject. Let me let me Almost, make, let me give you a sound to go with uh, that. This is on. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, if not I'll do it again. Okay. That, that's a check mark. So that one's already been checked off the list. Ooh, Keep going. Right, okay. Uh, a copy of Busted magazine which again isn't as bad as it sounds. It is the most remarkable publication. Uh, which has basically got Florida man and woman um, uh, who've, uh, how can we put this, had occasion to be spoken to by the forces of law and order. And, had their uh, pictures all... taken. Oh, That's my what it God. Was. It's, it, honestly, it's like the world's worst and best reality show right there on the page. Still need um, to find that. I can only pick that up once okay. I get there. So on the list. Um, the Glitter Ball. Uh, the Disco Ball, yes. That's there. Confirmed. Last month, it's haven't been there. to Daytona since 2019, <laughs> still in the closet of major victory. Yes. And, but but this is and this is the almost literal cherry on the top. Atop the, how can we put this, rotating glitter ball, there is always a model of around the 143rd variety that uh, Marshall has selected to be the relevant key point for the event i tried uh, one to one scale once it flattened that, that, the disco that just ball. didn't work didn't work that didn't work i no. can tell you to Ooh. my great disappointment i was unable to find the 143rd i'd planned to bring <gasps> spent time yesterday in the closet digging through finding all kinds of stuff that wasn't what i was looking for and then spent time last night emailing with my friend paul zimmerman owner of the amazing the motorsport collector uh, business in Downers Grove, Illinois. Obviously, our, our long-standing show partner, TorontoMotorsports.com, motor racing memorabilia found in Canada. You can buy it wherever you want. You live in the world, he'll ship it to you. But another dear friend, uh, much longer friend, um, Paul Zimmerman, who owns the Motorsport Collector, he is my and was my annual 143rd Rolex 24 Daytona Disco Ball topper uh, dealer. And so I had to email him a bunch last night saying, hey, I own it. I just can't find it. Uh, he is taking care of me and uh, is actually sending down his own Ooh. in order to be placed by the end of this week. Because all the other options I could find to try and buy a new one, not terribly expensive, but just timing wise, um, wouldn't work. be here until late next week. And I'm like, no, well, I'll, so. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait with bated breath on that. I will finish the show before we say goodnight, by the way, with news of the grid for the Le Mans classic in uh, July of this year. And that grid will include MP in one of the, uh, the, um, age related kind of categories, two cars, which have featured more than once on this show. On the same grid will be the Cannibal and the Kyla Kato. The what? 
the Kyler, the Kyler, Kyler, Kyler thingy. Kyler Chevron. Kopf. No. Yes, Kyler Kopf. They're both going to be racing together the on the same grid. Yes. Did you know that vehicle is a product of the San Francisco Bay Area? Yes. Did you know that that vehicle was created within walking distance of Pixar? Wow. It's a cartoon car on its very own. I know not only the people who built it and own it, then sold it and raced it, but one of the mechanics on the car, one of my mm-hmm. oldest friends of race mechanicry, Curry mm-hmm. Lee, who I've worked with many times before, who told me, yes, he was one of the folks who helped construct that. Jacques Andres of wow. Oakland, California. Also the person who, if you love obscure endurance racing vehicles, Jacques built and entered and drove the 20. Ooh. Do you remember the 20? A mini the twin engine mini. A mi- the twin engine mini with yes. big wings and whatever stuck in and push rod open wheel style rear suspension that he all fabricated wow. himself. One of the the posts for the I think the right rear rocker arm. Um there was some sort of issue. And so he didn't have any metal tubing to weld in to fix it. So I think he just grabbed one of his snap-on wrenches and it's still there. <laughs> welded in the wrench just to hold. Yeah. So Jacques, <laughs> Jacques was a uh, new Jacques from forever. Uh, worked together many times. He was on the uh, IndyCar team. One of the IndyCar teams that I helped run and, and engineer on and whatnot. But yeah, Jacques raised his hand and said, yeah, by the way, I was one of the mechanics who helped fabricate that thing. So the freaking cannibal. The wow. cannibal and the Karlikoff will do battle in a quality field of Masters, well, Endurance Legends um, at uh, the, uh, I th- that must be the first time they've raced together in the same grid. Must be. You know, those two, those two might be the only other vehicles with a greater propensity for failure than <laughs> what we're probably having here uh january 28th 29th so i, I think um, i think we've got a bow out at this stage oh well, let's <laughs> thanks so much to marshall pruitt for your time again for the weekend sports cars and again a thanks to daniel summers gill for putting together the questions to the other group we're going to thank which is all of you for continuing to support uh twisk with some fantastic questions and putting smiles on the faces of the other backers for this Cooper tires, the justice brothers and Toronto motorsports.com. Uh, we're going to be on a plane. Mine, mine, quite a big one. Yours, a slightly smaller one. And I'm not saying any more about that. Uh, that's a wrap up for this one. I've been Graham Goodwin. He has been Marshall Pruitt. This has been the weekend sports cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast collection. We will speak to you next week from Daytona. It might be the end of this week. We don't know. Oh, but, um, I'm bringing all my podcasting stuff. I'll have video cameras. Um, you're going you're gonna to see us or hear us definitely before next week's episode. It's going to be fun. We apologize in advance. <laughs> 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 <laughs>